How many of you guys know the Sabbath was created before the fall? It was created in Genesis before sin. That means it's the law for all time. You're never not supposed to have Sabbath. If you don't have Sabbath, you will eventually break down. We were created to have Sabbath, and if you don't, you will eventually break down. Now, I tested that theory a long time ago. When I was in ministry, I was like, I'm a soldier, working jobs, doing ministry, and then having two kids. I just thought, I'm just going to keep going. I got no time to spare. I got so many things to do. And uh, after about a few years, I literally almost collapsed. There was a day when it's like, I don't know if you watched that movie Gladiator. You guys, you guys are too young to... Gladiator, Russell Crowe. And he's like going on the horse, trying to get back to his family, and the horse just collapses and dies, right? The horse, he's just, after a while, the horse is like, I'm done. He dies, right? So that's what's going to happen if you don't keep Sabbath. It's not like you're physically going to die, but spiritually, emotionally, there's going to be a time when you wake up and you just don't feel like doing anything. And that's exactly what happened. And I've seen that happen to many, many ministers, many people, many just people. In the, you don't have to be a minister to collapse. When you're starting to feel like depressed about life, not clinically depressed, but that means you need to go to a doctor. Just like if you're physically ill, you need to go to a doctor. If you're mentally, something is wrong, you need to go see a doctor. The pastor here, we're not qualified to deal with those things. Amen? Thank God for that. Right, honey? Just minor issues. <laughs> We're always like, I might want to see a psychologist. And there's no, no shame in seeing a counselor. My wife and I have seen many, many, many. And we tell you that up front because there's no shame in seeing counselors for mental wealth. Not wealth, health. <laughs> wealth and health are the same thing. So um, keep going. You keep going that way, you will collapse. And I was, there was a time when I just woke up and I just didn't want to do anything. All I wanted to do was TV, kind of depressed, hopeless. What's wrong with me? And it took a while for me to snap out of it, and the Lord spoke to me. You did not keep the Sabbath. And so right now, I talked to somebody in our leadership team today to keep the Sabbath, bro. You're burning the midnight oil. You're going to gladiator. Remember the horse? That's you. It's going to happen. So all of you, this is a Sabbath time. You came here to reconnect with God. Sabbath is not physical rest. It's spiritual, mental rest. So yeah, all that to say, <laughs> so long-winded. All that to say, you have nowhere to go. <laughs> because the Sabbath is a, what is it? Is it an hour? It's a day. Oh, thank you, Michael. <laughs> You're becoming my favorite. You are my favorite. I love Michael. It's a day. It's a Sabbath day. day. So you're like antsy. Like, oh, when is this going to be over? 20 minutes? Oh, my gosh. One hour service. I'm so sorry. If you want a one hour service, there's other churches where you can go one hour service. You got to stay here at least a couple hours, maybe even longer sometimes. 
And if you don't like what I'm saying, you can just go. No harm, no foul, no judgment. Or you might have to go because you have an appointment to keep the Sabbath with your family or something. Or, do you understand? But get comfortable and relax. There's a lot of things I want to say. I'm actually even editing because I wanted to say something about the year 5782, but you guys, I feel like you guys are like, get to it. Or do you want to see? Yeah. No. Next time. <laughs> I feel God wants me to just preach right now. So I'm going to go part two in Slaying Giants, Goliath. And it's really interesting because uh, Josh had a word and we went to Burnaby Mountain to pray over the whole GVRD, Richmond's Burnaby. And then Surrey was in the back, so we just, Surrey. <laughs> we always forget Surrey, right? It's kind of like, oh, North Van, Vancouver, Richmond, Burnaby. Oh, Surrey. Just, I'm sorry for those people who live in, I live in Surrey. So I love Surrey, but it's just like that place. Uh, but we play for all the, all the cities, and, he, and we, he talked about Jeremiah 23, where God will raise up a righteous remnant and raise up righteous shepherds. And I was reflecting, am I a righteous shepherd? I don't know. Um, but in the like, likeness of King David, and the branch of David. And so it's just really interesting. He didn't share that with me, but... The two sermons that I'm preaching to begin our launch is on King David, slaying giants. Cool? cool. Okay, awesome. This is not a class. This is a church. I am not teaching. I am preaching. Big difference. I also don't have my reading glasses. Dang it. All right, so we talked about David and Goliath and how you guys know the story, right? Everybody know the story? So I don't have to read the whole thing, and I read some parts that were pertinent yesterday. Now, now David goes and he says, Who is this Goliath that is taunting God? This little young boy, young lad is like, I'm tired of it. He keeps going back and forth, and he's like, Why isn't anybody doing anything? So he says, I'll do something. And then we left it at that last week. But his brother, verse 28, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28, he says, Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men, when David spoke to the men, and Eliab's, Eliab's anger burned against David. Now you would think that somebody rising up to defend the honor of God, he would be happy. But Eliab said, he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Why are you not doing your job? And tending shepherd was, at that time, one of the lowest lowly jobs because he had to touch animals. I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart. What in the world is he saying? He said, you are wicked for even suggesting that you can go against this Goliath. He's like, don't you know that we've been like, Frightened and we've been strategizing and thinking about how we can actually defeat this giant. Don't you think we know and you come and you just make this stupid suggestion? How naive do you think you are? How naive do you think you are that you can go pray on a mountain and actually declare that God will bring revival to the city? How stupid are you? The naivety of faith. 
Whenever you're going for something, whenever you're actually going to do something for God, that takes faith. There's going to be people, especially in the religious arenas, that will say, how dare you think you can do that? You young 21-year-old thinking you can bring your friends to Jesus and have a Bible study on top of a mountain or on the, <laughs> go to a park in the dark and worship Jesus? That's what you want to do? And put it on Instagram and say, this is a good thing? You don't even have anything. Who are you? Did you get training? Who are you? Who do you think you are? They're laughing because they actually did that. <laughs> and as their shepherd, I said, good on you. Do it again. How dare you? There's always going to be haters. This is not even my sermon. This is bonus. <laughs> There's always going to be haters when you shine a light of faith into the darkness. Amen. Especially in the arenas of faith, quote unquote, because you're shining a light on their feeble living. So that people were comfortable doing their thing and then you start doing something else that actually takes courage and then it shines a light on their discourage. I know that's not a word, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but David said, what have I done now, man? So you know, he's been doing that to him for a long time, older brother. What now, brother? What is your problem? I'm just obeying God's word. Was it not just a question? That I suggested? Wasn't I just posing a suggestion, a question based on the word? Doesn't it say in Leviticus that anyone who blasphemes God should be stoned? Interesting how David picks up stones to kill Goliath. It was not random. He's like, this is simple. You guys are strategizing about how to do this thing. He said, it's simple. Stone the man that blasphemes God. I'm going to pick up some stone and stone him. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. The naivety of faith. It takes real, real, real trust in God and his worth to have that kind of courage. See, your whole Christian life is never about the truth. It's about trusting the truth. Amen. I am a reformed, ordained reverend, so I actually might get kicked out of my reformed denomination <laughs> for actually saying this. Because the reform is like the truth. You just read the truth and people, yes, I believe that, the truth. But for many believers... It's not just the truth. It's trusting the truth. In a world where so many of us uh, have problems trusting the source of information 
is never the truth. It's who is telling that truth. You guys are understanding what I'm saying? I think I'm going somewhere because I'm like all over the place in my sermon right now. You guys good? Trust. Who do you trust, man, in this season? Google? Yahoo? Mozilla? DuckDuckGo? I use DuckDuckGo. You guys don't even know DuckDuckGo? You guys are soldier, sold yourself to Google, that's why. I sold myself to the duck. You guys are like, don't know what he's talking about. You didn't get enough sleep last night. It's a, don't even worry about it. It's the, it's the source. Okay? So my wife is a nutritional expert, and she actually studied stuff about holistic, whole nutrition. And for the longest time, she suggested things, and I'm like, okay, I believe in, I believe in doctors. And she believes in doctors. We believe in doctors. Hey, don't get, don't get us wrong. But she's like, you know, you need to keep your body. Your, your body is the field. What you yield is dependent on the field. And I'm like, she didn't exactly say that, but I'm just paraphrasing. And then she would tell me to eat these things. Let's just try this. And I'm like, I'm always like, wow, it's okay. I could eat steak every morning, morning, lunch, night. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I don't have to do that. Um, you know, like, look at, look at people that I know. They've been eating steak and smoking and drinking, and then they live till 85. 85 is pretty good. <laughs> and she's like, it's not how long you live. It's the quality of your life. And I'm like, my quality is pretty good right now. I'm pretty strong. I'm, 50, I'm almost near 50. This is when I was 45. I'm 45, halfway to 90. I can live till 90 this way. And then, oh, I had a collapse. I'm still, I'm still recovering. I had a two-year health issue. And my wife was like, she never said, I told you so. She said, do you want to try it now? And I'm like, yes, yes. I will try anything now. It's the, it's the source. And too bad that we have to come into a place of such desperation to trust and try anything. So the Israelites at this point in time, they were willing to risk their whole nation on David. Do you guys understanding what the thing is happening here? They got Goliath and David. Goliath said, bring any man. If I lose, we will surrender to you. This is what is happening. A champion against champion, kind of like Jesus against the devil in the valley of the Elah. Anyways, the whole promises of God, everything that God promised this nation is hinged on this kid. And it's crazy that they were willing to let this kid go because they had no other options. It's too bad that we have to come to such a desperate place to actually try the Word of God. That means we don't trust the Word. We're just trying the Word. Trying something is not trusting. You guys understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth? Yes? Three people here, yes. Do you trust Him for a season or do you trust Him for all seasons? 
trust is not dependent on the situation. Trust is dependent on the person and the work of Jesus Christ who died and rose again to prove that he is God. That is the root of all root. And if you believe that, then this whole thing is true. My goodness, can I hear amen? Amen is just you saying, that's true. You don't have to say amen. You can say, that's true. True that. So we have issues with trust. It's not that we, we, we question the truth. Yeah, I believe God and I believe a lot of things in the word. And I may even believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. I believe in those truths. But do I trust in that truth for Jesus to actually have my back? Does he have my back? See, the Israelites, just before that I told you, they had testimonies upon testimonies. They were walking through the wilderness. There was pillars of fire and cloud and, and miracles. And Joshua going up the mountain, killing the whole garrison of Philistines by himself with his armor bearer. They had that just a couple chapters before. And, and, and the Israelites were not, were not questioning the, God's ability to deliver. They were questioning God's ability to deliver for that situation for them. At that time, do you have my back this time? Is the question we're going to have to struggle with for all our lives. Do you have my back for this disease? Do you have my back for this situation? You got my back? Is he truly your father? that has your back. See, God instituted Israel as a nation, and then he had 12 tribes of Israel. And then from the 12 tribes, we had clans from the tribes. And from the clans, it would break down to the Father's house. Because God wanted you to know that ultimately he is your Father. He has your back like a father. And some of you guys are like, you know, the Me Too movement, like, what about the mother? I just want to let you know, Proverbs, actually, it says, seek wisdom. That word wisdom, the great Sophia wisdom, actually is in the feminine. So when you're saying, when the Bible says, seek wisdom, seek God, seek the divine wisdom, actually, that also could be feminine. So it's interesting, the Bible, the greatest wisdom that you should seek, seek is feminine. That's why my wife is wise <laughs> you guys are understanding what i'm saying yes. Yes. Amen. so does he have my back so i remember one time when i was living in the inner city of toronto anybody from toronto nobody okay good no not good thank, thank you <laughs> welcome so i was living in the inner city of T toronto Housing projects. Don't know why we lived there because my dad had money. My, my mom had a business that so we weren't, we didn't have to live there, but my dad was very, very frugal. So he picked the cheapest apartment and we lived in the inner, so I had a lot of Jamaican friends. And, but the first couple months that I lived there, I got bullied. Every time I would walk to school, 
I still remember Parkdale Elementary School. I would have to walk like a couple kilometers on the field. You can see the field. And then these three guys would come and they would start beating me up. And, and I knew like martial arts, so I'm trying to like fend them <laughs> off. And then they're like beating me up and they're older than me. And I just, I just, where is, I didn't even, I wasn't even a believer. I'm just like, God help, something, something. And then one day I saw this Asian man running barefoot and he had like white tank top well it's not a tank top it's like the undershirt and he had like pajamas my dad was very frugal so his pajamas was so worn out that you could see through you can see his underwear and he's running and he's like Mr. Miyagi if you don't know the time he's like doing this and he started slapping the kids like he literally hit them and he was like doing this. And he was like speaking like in Korean and English, like co combination, and swearing at them and telling them, don't you touch my son. He's doing this, like Mr. Miyagi. And I thought, I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't get arrested. <laughs> but the second thought, I was like, oh, my dad was watching from the 15th floor all this time. And I was thinking, well, maybe it was just that one time, but I'm thinking somebody was watching. Somebody's watching. And I always remember that. I always remember that. And I just kind of just think, I think if God, I mean, if my father on earth can watch me that way, and he's not even omniscient, and he doesn't even know all things, but he just happened to catch that moment so that I wasn't bullied anymore. God, who is omniscient, all-knowing, He must be watching. Amen. And He says we are the apple of His eye. And some of you guys don't even know what that means. We're the apple? God likes apples? What kind of apples? Does He like the Gala? Or the Fuji? What kind of apple does He like? The word apple in the Hebrew actually means the pupil. The pupil. He's saying... You are the pupil of his eye. He's saying, because some of you guys I've heard you say, you know, I, have, I need a job, but you know, I'm sure God is more concerned about the famine in the world. Yes, he's concerned about famine, North Korea. He's concerned all those things, but he's also concerned about your job. Because he's your father. Galatians, you were adopted into sonship or daughtership into the family of God. You are grafted into the line of Jesus. That when he sees you, he sees Christ in you. He's li you're literally in his family. You are not second-class orphans that just barely made it. You are now with the privilege of sons and daughters. You are co-heirs. That he watches you. That he's concerned about you. That he's excited for you to engage with him. Amen. That he has time for you. That he doesn't get burnt out. That he does, he's not limited. He's unlimited in his attention for your life. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. This is very important. I remember when I came back from North Korea. It was 11 days. China and North Korea, I came and I was so dead tired because I didn't sleep in North Korea. I was freaking out in North Korea. Oh God, this is a freaky place. 
and I came back and I was like, finally get to sleep. And I saw my daughter, this is my daughter by the way, She's, she was like by the bed like this when she was little. And I don't know how long she was waiting there, she was waiting for me to open my eyes. And then finally I opened, her face was right in front of me, like, she's like, she is so, she missed me so much, she's like, and I opened my eyes, she's like, Daddy! And then she hugged, she was waiting for me to wake up. And I remember that, and I remember, this, what, this is what it means for God to say, you are the apple of his eye. That some of you are sleeping, and he's waiting for you to wake up. I am right here. Don't you know how much I love you? I got your back. That's why David, he was not an expert in, spirit, in warfare, strategic warfare. He was an expert in intimacy with God. And because he knew his God and he knew how much God loved him and how much he loved God, the only thing he could think about is, how dare this Philistine badmouth my father? See, when you are not in the family, or you don't think you are, even though you are, you don't care if somebody badmouths your father. But when somebody badmouths your father, and you're really in the family, he really is your father, you're like, hey, wait a minute, nobody talks about my dad like that. Even my kids, they're so very docile and friendly, they love everybody, but even a slight hint of offense, they're like, I don't like what they said about you. <laughs> they get a little bit like, how dare they, who are they? And they're nice, huh, how are you? And, then be, and when we're eating dinner, it's like, I don't, I don't like when they said that. You get like, because you protect your family. You have some ownership. You guys have no ownership of the city. You have no ownership of your life and your families and your friends. There's no ownership. You don't have no ownership of the, of the crazy, stupid ideology and philosophies that are running rampant in the city and being castigated and, and being substituted for God's truth. And you think, and people are falling for it, and you think, that's true. And then you're like, that? You're supposed to say, that's not God. You're supposed to say, that's not Jesus. I'm not mad. I'm just, <laughs> just a little bit excited and a little slightly frustrated. <laughs> so when you, when you are not a son or a daughter, you have no courage. You have tolerance. And tolerance is not love. Tolerance is self-preservation. It is one of the stupid philosophies of our culture. Tolerance. It's your easy way out of loving someone. Tolerance is substitute for love. So you can pretend you love, but really you're loving yourself because you can't bother to actually confront somebody when they're going into trouble. This is not just me. This is sociologists now coming out and saying, something's wrong with our generation. What's wrong with these people? They have no roadmap. They have no, they're lost in translation. They have no maps to go anywhere. They have no direction. They have no truth. There's no truth, nothing. And they're suggesting maybe we've been substituting tolerance for care because care means challenge. Amen. And I'm like, oh, that guy wrote a book on that. 
I could have, I could have wrote that book. <laughs> I've been saying this for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, as if I could write a book. You guys following? If you are a son, if you are a daughter, your identity is solidified in your sonship, in your daughtership. And nothing is more important than that. If you are an orphan, you live for a description. It was a man. You guys... Luke 16, verse 19 to 31. You don't have to turn to it. There's Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus went to heaven and the rich man went to hell. And the rich man, while he's like, it's so hot in here. And then he actually thought he's still the rich man. So he told Abraham to say, can you get Lazarus, my servant, to get me some water? He's still in his stupid mentality that in hell that he still had titles that's what hell is your false identity going on forever see Lazarus what the, what's Lazarus name thank you what's Lazarus name What's the, this is not a trick question. What is the name of, what is the name of Lazarus? Lazarus? It's not a trick question, people. I feel like I'm teaching class at school. I ask a simple question, people are like, <laughs> did you do the homework? Lazarus, that's his name. The rich man, what's his name? He had no name. His name was a description, rich man. A lot of you guys are living for a description, not a name. See, in the Hebrew culture, in the ancient Near East, actually beyond just the Hebrew culture, when you have no name, you don't exist. That's why when Moses asked God, what's your name? God didn't say, just shut up. Why do you need to know my name? He said, he actually gave him a name that's indescribable. I am who I am. There's actually a name. Self-existent, self-sufficient. Don't, I am above all other gods. There is no comparison. I am. And Jesus said, the great, he said, I am the way. The word I am in the Hebrew, I mean in the Greek when Jesus says I am, it actually says I am the I am. Jesus is saying I am the Yahweh. Snap. When I saw that in the Greek, I'm like, snap, Jesus is God. <laughs> I, I, uh, ego, and me. I, I am. Wow. That's another bonus for you. <laughs> so rich man had a description. When you have no name, you do not exist. No wonder in our society, so many guys feel non-existent. Because you are living for a description. What is your name? I'm a doctor. Hi, what's your name? Michael. Oh, okay, Michael. What do you do? What do you do? Because what you do is your identity. 
and we perpetuate that stupidity all our lives. What you do is your vocation. Vocation in the Latin is just a Greek, a Latin word for vox, which is your voice. Your vocation, your job, is just a platform you stand to declare God's glory. And so it doesn't really matter what job you have. People are like, what should I do with my life? What job? Just pick one and go with it. And if you don't like it, get another one. What is the problem? Because the purpose of that job is not the job, it's your voice in the job. Because you are not living for a description. I am an electrician, I am a lawyer, I am an accountant. Oh, what do you do? I'm an, I'm an accountant. I'm a doctor. I'm not impressed by those titles. No, sir. Because I have learned that my identity is in the name that God gave me. A chosen son. Steve, the crowned one. Hyun Uk, my dad gave me. He didn't even know. Wise leader. That's my name. <laughs> Hyun Uk Kim. I, I'm proud of it. That's why I put Stephen Hyun Uk Kim. Never, never not erase the middle. Those two are my actual legal names. You guys following? You guys following what I'm trying to say? What's your name? What are you living for? You're so impressed. You're so impressed. The Israelites were so impressed with Goliath. They were so impressed and they were looking at themselves and going, who do we have that matches with Goliath? And Saul was probably the tallest and the biggest. And then they said, but Saul is no match for Goliath. When you're living for a description, there's always going to be somebody else with a better description. I work out. When I work, but I, I follow also The Rock on Instagram. <laughs> and then I work out, and I'm like, yeah, I'm the best in my gym. And I go to The Rock Instagram, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I am not even close to The Rock. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. You guys know Michael B. Jordan? Oh, I like Michael B. I like his, I like his like, traps. <laughs> and I said to my wife, I said, you like those traps, honey? I'll do it for you. She's like, I don't really care. I like your traps the way it is. No, I'll do it for you. like it. I know you. I know. You like it. And I was just going crazy on the traps. And I, and I, I showed her one day, look at, honey, look at my traps. Look at. And then she said, is Michael B. Jordan? She's like, not quite. I love you anyway. There's always going to be somebody else when you, are, when you are comparing yourself with other people, when you are living for a description. And when you are living for a description, you're working hard and strategizing how you can better somebody. You are not in spiritual activity. Your strategic activity surpasses your spiritual activity because strategic activity is how you get a description. Spiritual activity is how you get a name. Snap! You're so impressed with Goliaths. So impressed with these giants. You study them like, they're like, oh, how can I become like this person? Your mama probably said, why can't you be like Michael? Why can't you be like Ariel? Why can't you be like them? 
comparing them all the time. I taught my children that when they were younger, and if I ever compare you, snap, you rebuke me on the spot. So they, to this day, they still do it. Because I'm human. I'm like, oh, you know, you know that girl is doing this. And my daughter's like, don't compare me. <laughs> my son is like, what are you doing right now? And I allow them to speak into my life because I want them to know I am not God. I can make mistakes, but your Father in heaven doesn't compare you. You are uniquely made, and He gave you a name. Live for the name. So you exist, and you don't disappear into society just working 9 to 5. That way you will burn out without existing. And you're trying to make an existence out of stupid things. You guys okay? So impressed. Studying your pro- studying Goliath. And the more you study, the more intimidated you will get. Don't you? The more you're like, I want to be a better singer. The more you study Michael Bublé, you're like, I will never. Might as well just give up. The more you study, the bigger they get and the smaller you get. You should not be studying your problems. You should not be studying your competition. There is no competition. You're not competing with others. You're not competing. You're finding. You should be studying God. I remember, I'm not name dropping because Bill Johnson probably doesn't know who we are at all. But we had dinner with him a couple of times. And the one question I wanted to ask him is like, when you speak, it's like wisdom. How long does it take you to prepare that sermon? First question I asked. And then he was eating his steak. He was eating steak. Lots of salt and pepper. We're like, a lot of, lot of salt there, Bill. And then, he, and then he said, I don't prepare sermons. I said, blasphemous. I'm a theologically trained person. I'm like, blasphemous. How dare he say that? He said, I don't prepare. So I'm like, you wing it? And I didn't say it that way. I said it very nicely. So you just kind of go on the, on the flow? <laughs> you know what he said to me? He said, I study Jesus. And I talk about him. Amen. And then I just got totally... <laughs> and then his wife, Benny, I could, she could tell like I was dejected. And she said, there are some people who take notes. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Benny. Thank you. No, he just, he just looked at me with these, like, fire in his eyes. He just smiled and he said, I study Jesus. And I talk about him. He's, I'm impressed by God. Snap. How many guys are impressed by God? Studying his history, going through the his church history, all the miracles present-day history, your heroes of faith. Who are your heroes of faith? Who are they? You worship what you are impressed by. Who you are impressed by, you worship. Because idolatry is giving value, giving worth to someone or something above God. My question to you is, who are you impressed by? I'm impressed by God. Or I wouldn't be doing this thing. I'll just be a phony. I'm impressed by God and His ability to show up every time. 
in my life. And even if I die, so be it. You guys are so afraid. During this COVID, a lot of Christians got exposed with their fear of faith, a uh, fear of dying. You got exposed. A lot of you guys, are, I don't want to. Well, I know you. some of you want to do it for health reasons and for society and all that. But a lot of you guys, many of maybe not what here, but many, many people that I know, they had this strong faith in the afterlife and Jesus got exposed by their lack of faith in the cross and the resurrection. I'm impressed by God. Who are you trying to impress? I'm, I'm amazed by God's ability to show up. And even if he doesn't, and so if I die, hey man, bonus, I'm in heaven. Not bonus, that's the ultimate goal. People are like, aren't you afraid? Man, I went to North Korea. I went to Mombasa. I could have been killed in Mombasa. There are terrorist attacks in the areas that I was at. And I went to Uganda during the Ebola outbreak. So COVID. What are your chances of dying if you get Ebola? 80%. Why did you go? Because the safest place in the world is in God's will. Who are you trying to impress, man? I'm, in trying to, I'm impressed by God, and I want to impress Him with my faith. I want God to Jesus to say to me, Wow, look at your faith. Like he said to the Syrophoenician, wow. Like he said to the centurion, centurion said, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word. And he said, look at this Roman, not even a Jew. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. It's done. I like, I, uh, God loves us all the same, but I want him to be impressed by my faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. That's what it means. He loves you, but he also gets pleased by your extraordinary faith, the naive faith that believes. That's the difference between self-confidence and God-confidence. Self-confidence in your ability, in your soul's armor, armor that you built up, that you put on yourself, that covers who you are. You know what Saul's armor is? Saul put Saul's armor, his armor on David and he covered him. He said, I can't even walk on this because it's, it's trying to cover up who you are. Saul's armor is what Saul worked for, what he fought for, and what the nation wanted in defiance of God. Israel said, give us a king like all the other nations because they were shameful of who they were and they wanted to compete with other nations. So they said, give us a king like the other nations. So I said, I'll give you the biggest and the baddest in your, in your, in your, in your, in your community. And they picked Saul. And Saul could not compare with Goliath. And then God said, see what you get? When you strategize and you plan and you calculate, it never works out because you are trying to be confident in yourself and what you built up and he will always fail you. God confidence never fails because there's no one bigger than God. There's no competition. Is there a competition between the enemy and God? It's not, it's not like cosmic powers fighting and God is like, I'm losing guys, pray some more. <laughs> God won. On the cross he said, it is finished for all time. We are living from victory, not for victory. 
We are already one. The future is settled. It's done. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. No one bigger than God. If you are trembling, it's because you think the problem is bigger than God. And that's when you have to repent. Repentance is not crying, and I'm so sorry, God. Repentance is realignment of your mind and your position in God. It doesn't take hours. It just takes a, you're right. So I want you to repent today. It's not like, oh, I'm so, what? Repentance is the most beautiful word. It means metanoia, turning. It means, hi, I was going in the wrong direction. Hey, I was living for a description. Hey, I am a child of God. Hey, God the Father is my Father. There is no one bigger. So when you are a son, you just simply obey because there's no one bigger than God. That's why David said, this is not a problem, guys. This is not a competition. It's not because, don't look at me, look at God. All you have to do is do what the Word said. God told us what to say. What's, what's your problem? That's why we get overwhelmed because we're trying to, even in our Christian lives, we're trying to strategize and calculate and really not just simply obeying the Word as it is written. Just do the thing. Just do the thing and see what happens. That's why David said, I'll pick up some stones and there it goes. People are like shocked. Oh, what happened? It's like, what is it? how did you find that idea? How did you come up with that innovative idea? It's not my idea. It's in the word, guys. Leviticus. Stone the man. Leviticus 24, verse 10. It said, stone the man. Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall put, be put to death. And all the congregations shall stone him. Isn't that what it says? So do it. And he's been doing it for 40 days. That's enough. You're not going to do it. I'll do it. Come on. Why don't we stand? I could go on and on, but I will stop. There's many, many things I could have said, but the Lord, I feel like, is saying, that's enough. <laughs> so, I want to come into a place of repentance now. Repentance is not a one-time thing. It's an all-time thing. I don't know what churches you went to and then you're some pastors like, Repent! You sinner! As soon as you become a believer, you are no longer a sinner by identity. You are a saint who forgot that you're a saint and you sin. I don't know. Did you guys just hear what I said? When you become a believer, you are, no, you are a saint that forgets who you are. You are a son and daughter of God, a saint, and you forgot who you are. Now you're looking like, acting like an orphan and a pauper and a sinner. That's why you sin. You sin because you don't know who you are. If you knew who you are, who your father is, you have no problem with sin. Yes, you will make mistakes, but the devil's got to get you with higher level deceptions rather than this small stuff. Those are the little demons barking at your feet. You're still getting attacked by little demons. 
I suggest let's get attacked if we're going to get attacked by giants <laughs> so we can slay them. All repentance flows from identity, recognition of who you are. So I want you to put your hand on your heart. It's a simple act. Romans 10.9 says, Confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Confession is very important. Oh, I wish I had more time, but I won't say anything other than confession is important. Jesus spoke his way out of the desert. He didn't think it. So I want you to confess, I am a child of God. No, I, I want you to say it now. One, two, three. I, want, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. More specifically, if you're a son or daughter, say, I am a son or I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God. One, two, three. One, two, three. <laughs> I God is my father. One, two, three. He is my Abba. You know what Abba means? My daddy. Abba is the most intimate thing. My son still calls when he messages his mom. He's like, Mommy. Daddy-o. Sometimes he calls me Captain. Hey, Captain. I don't like that. He is my daddy. One, two, three. He's my daddy. I know. You guys know I pray like that. Abba, daddy. Daddy, I need you. It's really powerful when you just say... Just pray to him right now. Daddy, I need you. Appa, I need you in my life. In Chinese, you can say, Baba, I need you in my life. That's repentance. And it's not one time, it's all time. Do it every day. Every day. So we're going to end the service now. Zach's going to sing something. And you guys want to fellowship, you can fellowship. And if you want to stay in worship, you can worship. If you need prayer, come up and receive prayer. So may the love of the Father, our Abba, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit go with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.